Hi, I'm Charles Feldman. And my name is Ela Edgar, and we're here for Trust on Purpose. And today, Ela, we're bringing a situation that we've both dealt with many times in our lives as coaches, as team coaches, individual coaches, leadership coaches, as well as I think probably as people working in an organization. And probably many of you have encountered this at some point in your life, whether you're in the situation yourself directly or you're trying to support someone who is in this situation. So I'm going to let you, if you would, Ila, set it up for us, and then we can begin to take it apart and take a look at how you might support at least the trust-building aspects of this situation. There are other elements here that are important too, but trust-building is really going to be key. So take it away. All right. So let me set the stage. Here's the scenario. Bob and Mary have worked together on the same team at the same organization for a number of years. There is an opportunity to move into a leadership role. So the job is posted and they both apply. Now, we know there's only one job available, so only one of them will be successful. So purposes of this story, we're going to say that Mary was the successful candidate, and she has now been promoted into a leadership position. And her former peer, friend, colleague, Bob, now reports to her. So the relationship that has been is no longer there's now a reporting structure. They're no longer peers and colleagues. And so I think, you know, both you and I have seen situations where this hasn't gone very well. And worst case scenario is friendships are lost after many, many, many years of fantastic relationship because they don't know what to do. They don't know how to navigate this. So today we're going to navigate and unpack and look at this from a number of different perspectives. So where do you want to go in first? Well, first of all, I want to add that not only does Mary have to find a way to build trust with Bob in this new context, but her other peers on this team, the other folks that she was working with as an individual contributor, also, even though they didn't apply for the job, now she is their boss as well and needs to be able to build trust with them as the boss, as the manager. So... There are layers of complexity here. And so where should we go? Well, I think one of the starting places, if you take a look at this from a perspective of the four assessment domains of trust, which are care, sincerity, reliability, and competence, one of the first things that obviously comes to mind is that Mary is no longer, how do I put this? She is no longer assessed on her competence as an individual contributor her technical competence, if you will. Now she has a whole different standard of competence to live up to and on which she'll be assessed by her boss and others in the organization and by her new direct reports, the new people, new team that she's got reporting to her. So competence, building trust in competence, not as a really good technical contributor, but rather as a good manager and a good leader at this level. So that's one of the things that she's got to do. And oh, by the way, she also has to build trust with her boss because now the person who was formerly in that position has moved on and she has a new boss. So now she's got this new relationship there as well. 
that she needs to navigate and build trust in. So there's the competence piece, but there's also very importantly for her, the care. How does she get across to the people that as their new manager, she is going to have their interests in mind? It's not just about her and her accomplishments and her upward mobility in the organization, but does she have them in mind? And then in the domain of sincerity, there's the relationships that she used to have with all of them, Bob included, undoubtedly, because we've heard this from people, so we'll just assume this, but for the most part, those relationships were based on a fair degree of transparency. They shared information with each other, and they also shared their complaints and concerns and issues, sometimes even about the boss. But now she's the boss. So how is she going to build trust in the domain of sincerity when they're no longer bonding around those kinds of things that they used to talk about and bond around? Certainly in those three domains. And then, of course, there's always the reliability issue and coming through. So maybe we ought to take them kind of one at a time. They do overlap. <laughs> but I would, I guess, maybe start with competence and how Mary's going to navigate building trust in her competence as a leader. What does she need to do in that respect? Mm-hmm. I think there is, I can't remember the title of this particular video, but it's one of Simon Sinek's video. And he talks about being competent as an individual contributor, and then we make this transition into leadership. And I love how he describes it because this leadership from his perspective isn't about being in charge, but taking care of the people in your charge. And that often people, when they make that transition from individual contributor into a leadership role, aren't supported. And how do I actually make that transition? Because I used to be really good at what I did, and I'm still really good at what I do, but that's not my job anymore. Yeah. Yeah, let's unpack this competence piece and how do we start to make that transition that really builds strong trust. When we were talking before we started recording, you mentioned declaration, making a declaration. And so one of the things that Mary can do is, first of all, declare to herself that this is a new role, that she is taking it on willingly and probably ought to include in that declaration that she has a lot of learning to do, to allow herself to be open to learning, to put on the white belt, which is not something that we're encouraged to do in organizations. You're now a leader. You better have the brown belt, if not your black belt, at this point right away, which is just foolish. Right. So many people have this kind of assessment assumption that that needs to happen that way, that she's just going to move in. And even her new boss may have that assumption. She was really good, so I don't need to worry about her. Oh, she'll be fine. She's got this. <laughs> no, if she's lucky, she will have a boss that understands that and will support yeah. her and have her back, that she can trust in the domain of care and competence as a manager of a manager. But in terms of her own trust building in the domain of competence, she will need to be clear with the people who are now reporting to her what her degree of competence is, that she's a learner, mm -hmm. that she's in the process of becoming a good manager. She intends to do everything she can, and she's not there yet. 
And that's just the way it is. And ask for their support as she learns to be the best manager she can be for them, rather than making the assumption that she has to already be good, if not great. That, That takes so much courage. So I'm envisioning Bob and Mary and the rest of the team sitting. Mary's being promoted. She is now the leader. And the expectation is basically, you better have your shit together because you're in charge now. And so the courage that it would take physically, mentally, emotionally to say, I am the leader and I'm new to leadership or I'm still learning. Here's the support that I need from you. How do we do this together? I'm really curious about if we could do a quick global poll, if we could just do a quick one, how many new leaders would actually say, yeah, I could do that. I feel like I could do that. And how many would say that would be a hell no. I would never voice that. Yeah. Boy, that's a, any uh, graduate students out there looking for a PhD thesis subject? Call us. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk. Yeah. That's a tall order. And I have seen situations where Mary's new boss, whom she's now reporting to, has taken that on as well and has said, gone and sat with the team and with the Mary, whoever the Mary is in this situation, and said, look, we've chosen Mary for this role. We know that Mary has some learning to do. We're supporting her. From my perspective, I'm supporting her. That's the rare situation, as you and I both know. It's usually Mary's new boss. It's just, okay, Mary, take it away run with it. And Mary is left to kind of sort it out on her own. (laughs) But if she can bring forward the courage to do that, and in fact, wouldn't it be lovely if in the interview process for the person moving to this position, one of the questions could be, how do you see yourself building trust with your new team? And what are some of the things that you may need to say to them and ask of them? That's a brilliant question. (laughs) Brilliant question. Wouldn't that be a good question to put into the interview process? Yeah. So let's imagine, though, because most of the time in our experience, Mary doesn't have that kind of support. Mary is kind of left on her own. So what does she do? Well, if she can dig deep into herself and find the courage to say that, and say it sincerely and with conviction, then she's off to a good start, is how I would characterize that. Yes, everybody's now going to be waiting to see what happens, and they're going to have somewhat of a critical eye on her. And she'll probably have the support of some of the team members Mm -hmm. who are her fans to start with. They really liked her as an individual contributor and think she'll make a good manager. But it's also a bit of a minefield because if they start to assess that they can't trust her competence, that they can't trust her care and sincerity, they'll turn on her really quickly. Mm -hmm. And it'll make her life miserable until she goes out and finds another job. I'm also thinking a little bit about what's happening between her and Bob. Yeah. And that's, that's another piece. Yeah. And so I don't know if this has happened to you where peers applied for a role. One got it, one didn't. I was the one that didn't. And this was when I was much younger, not quite as, I don't know, 
wise. I don't think I'm wise. I don't know, the years of experience that I have now. But I, I was really choked. I was really choked and already held the assessment that that person didn't deserve, wasn't competent, wasn't the best candidate for that role. I really believed that I was. And so when the announcement came out, I remember, yeah, absolutely pissed, disappointed because I was so certain I was going to get it. A little bit of jealousy, frustration, envy. I'm trying to think of the other, like, just, uh, are you kidding me? Did this actually happen? That caused some bumps for this person and I. So I'm assessing that probably the Mary-Bob relationship isn't going to be super smooth, that there will be some bumps. And so what are the things that Mary could do in that particular relationship? Yeah. To not dismiss how he's feeling. It's absolutely okay to be disappointed, to be holding all those emotions because he didn't get the job he wanted. And so how do we acknowledge that that's where he is and start to build the foundation of this new relationship? Yeah. And I would also caution Mary not to spend all of her time and energy there. True. Because she's got, what, four, five, six other people, at least, that she needs to attend to and build trust mm -hmm. with. That's another trap. There is, oh God, this is horrible. Bob and I were pretty close and now it's like, he hates me. What do I do about this? And so all the energy focuses on Bob mm -hmm. and everybody else feels disenfranchised and, and wait a minute, mm -hmm. where does she go? Can't trust. So there is the piece of gaining everyone's trust in her competence, including Bob. And how does she do that? And so naming what it is that she plans to do, thinks she can do well, or at least reasonably well, where she's going to be learning, the domain of learning for her in order to be a good manager. Help me with this. Thank you very much. Let's keep checking in around this. And then with Bob, maybe even a little more around that. Yeah, but she's going to have to have a uh, really difficult conversation, challenging conversation with Bob at some point, I suspect. It's most likely that, well, no, maybe Bob takes it really well. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. But if he's more like you in your situation. <laughs> but I'm also a spicy firecracker. Like there definitely is emotion that lives in me and sometimes really high volumes. <laughs> and I think however Bob takes both the decline of not getting the role and the acceptance or starting to accept that Mary did, I think there's one conversation that's really important for them to have together. This is the new reality. This is what's transpired. We've had a great relationship. How can we continue that knowing that this shift has happened? I care about you. I don't want to lose the relationship. We do good work together. Let's connect, even though the hierarchy has changed. Yeah. And to say quite directly, I need and want your trust. And that's going to happen as much as anything by us continuing to talk, not to pull back from each other, but rather to lean in. Yeah. And what does that look and sound like? Mm -hmm. And acknowledging that there may be anger, resentment, disappointment. The resentment piece probably is the most dangerous one. Mm -hmm. If Bob falls into deep resentment about it, it's going to be 
difficult for both of them. And so helping Bob not become resentful. Mm -hmm. I don't want to add this complexity into this situation that we're unpacking. Oh, yeah, you do. I can see it. <laughs> but I kind of want to point to something else that I think doesn't necessarily set leaders and teams up for success. So there is an organization that I currently work with. Their new hire program, great. Their internal promotion and how that happens is so muddy and so complicated and so not transparent that I think when that happens, so we put the Bob and Mary situation in a promotion situation that this hasn't been transparent, I think that just also doesn't set Mary, Bob, and the team up for success. Yeah. That there's an automatic, oh, guess what I'm going to say? I don't trust the process. Yes. <laughs> I don't trust the process, so now how do I know I can trust you? Yeah. As my new leader. Yeah. And for those of you who have listened to our other podcasts, or some of them anyway, we do have one on I don't trust the process. Yeah. And I think you're pointing right to it here. That process, if it's muddy, if it's unclear, if it's inherently untrustworthy itself, it's just going to confer distrust on the new leader. Yeah. Yet another thing to overcome for Mary. And Mary should certainly ask for help from her new boss. Mm -hmm. Be upfront with her new boss. Hey, I'm glad to be working for you now. I'm glad to be in this role. I'm really excited. I have a lot of ideas, whatever it is. And I could really use your help in learning how to be a good manager because I'm declaring myself incompetent, white belt here in being a manager. So would you please support me? And <laughs> it may be even to say, I don't even know what to ask for in terms of support mm -hmm. yet because I haven't come up against things. But is there a way that we can arrange or set up between you and I, my new manager, ways that you can support me? Maybe we can check in if we have regular meetings. Maybe we could spend some of our regular meeting time talking about how I'm doing, what my concerns are, and managing that sort of thing. So asking for that help from my new manager, asking for help from the former peers now, direct reports in terms and forbearance in the domain of competence and being clear that I recognize, I, Mary, recognize that I am no longer responsible to be competent in the domain of the technical domain that we've been working in. I mean, it's important that I know it and I need to be able to help you. And in fact, that's one of the reasons that I've been promoted maybe is because I have been doing that to some extent, especially, you know, new people that move in, helping them with the day in and day out operation of whatever we've been doing. I am going to be judged now on my competence as a manager. So I want to be clear that that's the domain that I'm declaring myself not terribly competent in yet. Again, I'm envisioning the Mary for a moment. So A, I've needed to pull up a boatload of courage to let my team know that there are things that I don't know. I'm a white belt. I'm a beginner. I need your support. Now, she's also had to turn and pivot the other direction and say to her new leader with a whole lot more, I think, courage to say, thank you for the promotion and for believing in me. I'm a beginner and I need your support. Yeah. 
tremendous courage in both directions. Yeah. And now I will speak to people who are in the position where they may be applying for this job. Ask for it. Ask the potential new leader and anyone else around that may be around that interview process, will you support me if I get into this position knowing that I don't know what I'm doing? Are you willing to support me so that I go in or I can maybe even say, I'm going to decline this because Mm -hmm. I don't think I'll have the support that I need. So then Mary needs to figure out and begin to kind of assess what it is that she needs to become competent at and what are the standards. These are conversations, conversations with her boss, her new boss. What are you looking for from me? And so often it is at that level, oh, I want you to continue to lead these people and I want you to be more strategic around this or whatever it is, you know, some new added layer, not just managing Mm -hmm. these people, but there's something new now. And so often in this kind of situation, Mary would be tempted when she's kind of hit the wall and she's realizing how she's incompetent and nobody likes to feel incompetent and it's really stressful. The first inclination is to go back and just sort of bury yourself in the actual technical work of whatever it is, whether it's taking work away from other people, micromanaging people, or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, sort of jumping back in there and spending time in that domain. And that is a sure recipe for damaging trust. Oh, oh my gosh, yes. Just a warning, a red flag, if you're tempted to do that, you're heading down the wrong path for sure. Mm-hmm. And yet it's so tempting because we hate to feel incompetent. Right. It's uncomfortable to be there. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, I am incompetent, I know it. But then to feel it over and over again as we come up against our lack of competence as a manager now, as a new manager, that's harsh. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. You and I have both been there. <laughs> I'm currently there as I'm doing another new certification. And so, you know, yes, I have lots of experience in what I've done, but yeah, I'm learning something new and it's freaking uncomfortable sometimes to go like, I, I don't know what I don't know yet. And yeah. I don't know what to do right now. And I can't flip the pages in my book fast enough to find the answer because I don't like being in that discomfort. And yet, what juicy learning there is. Yeah, yeah. And this is really one of those critical stages in leadership development, that first step as a leader Mm -hmm. and how efficacious we feel in the process. It's not how effective and competent, but how efficacious. How do we learn? How well Mm -hmm. do we move through that transition? So there's building trust in our competence as a leader or a manager, however we're defining that. And what are the standards and who's setting those standards? Who is it up to to communicate those standards? And then there's the domain of, and we touched on it before a little bit, but the domain of care. You know, they're going to be all looking at her and saying, okay, you're now the new manager. Do you really have our best interests in mind? Mm-hmm. Or do you have some of our best interests in mind more than others of our best interests? When we'd all do stuff together, you always tended to hang out and talk with so-and-so and so-and-so more than me. Are you going to treat me less than so-and-so and so-and-so, you know? So how am I, as a new manager, going to build trust that I have everyone's back equally? We know that some of the 
trust builders in the domain of care. Obviously, one is what you know you and I talk about is generous listening, really listening deeply to other people, letting them talk, and then addressing what we can of their issues, helping them sort through those issues and concerns, helping them learn what they need to learn, spending the time to do that, and spending it equally. I was with a group in person this week in the Great White North, and we talked about that powerful listening and how what a gift it is to actually see and hear another human being, not just the words they're saying or the transaction that they're performing because they're reporting to you about X, but actually seeing and hearing them. And one of the leaders approached me on the break and said, that landed on me. And that I realize in our world, we move so fast that we're not pausing to do that. I'm not pausing long enough to actually hear what my direct reports are saying. Yeah. So taking the time, making the time to do that kind of listening, that's a big part of the role of a leader, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And where good leaders do build trust, especially in the domain of care. And another one is if Mary now has these, her new direct reports as a team and they're meeting together at any time for any reason because they're working on something together or however she has it set up, ensuring that everybody has a voice, that she brings out everybody, that she doesn't leave anybody behind as they discuss things. Being sure to say, hey, Annie, You've been silent this whole time. I'd love to hear from you. That kind of thing. Just being mm -hmm. sure that she not only listens to everyone, but brings out their voice. And that she's transparent about not a lot of behind closed doors conversations. Only very, very few and only because they need to be confidential. Yes. But if it's at all possible to be transparent about conversations she has with whom she has them, She's, again, going to build trust in the domain of sincerity, for sure, and also in the domain of care to a great extent. I think also being transparent about how now as a team, how are we going to make decisions together? Everybody has a voice, but maybe not everybody has a vote. Yeah. And so I want to hear all of your, of your opinions, but some things I'm going to then have to go away and make the decision and being transparent about that. Yeah. And in the moment. Because mm -hmm. it may be different for different situations. That's right. So making it clear up front, this is how the decision on this is going to be made. I'm going to totally, I've mentioned her once before when we were talking about the conflict cards. Oh, yes. And so same person, Jenny Gilbert. I love you, Jenny. She taught me this phrase around don't be a hippo. So a hippo is the highest individual paid person's opinion. And so as a leader, when you're trying to open dialogue, that your opinion comes last because there's often danger. And well, here's what I think. And then everyone goes along with, oh, well, Mary said this. So I guess that's what we have to do versus creating the space for people to share their voices, their opinions, their concerns. And then Mary can add hers later. Yeah. So I love that. Hippo, highest individual paid person's opinion comes last. Yeah, that's great. I hate acronyms because I can never remember what they mean, <laughs> but uh, that's a good one. 
<laughs> and for those of you out there listening who do well with acronyms, remember that one. So we often talk about in terms of building trust, leaders go first. Leaders extend trust first rather than waiting for someone else to trust them. They need to trust others first. And it's a mutual process of building back and forth and the leader needs to go first. But in this case, what you're describing is the leader needs to actually hang back in order to build trust yeah. and let other people surface, you know, help other people surface their opinions, being aware that different people are going to have different opinions. And in Mary's case, because she's been working with these other folks for a while, which is often the case that we find our clients, often I'll be coaching someone who's managing those Mary and other folks at now Mary's level, that kind of bringing people out is different. She knows all these people. She knows them and she knows, well, hopefully she knows, hopefully she has the emotional intelligence to have some assessments about how different people communicate, how they want to be heard and how they want to be communicated with. And by the way, that's one of the first things I would do is in Mary's role is sit down individually with each person and say, okay, I'm the boss now. And, and as such, I want to have a conversation with you about how you prefer to be communicated with. And there are some pieces where this is how I want to be communicated with. So let's be clear about that. For me, an email is good for these kinds of things. And a text is good for really short communications. And a phone call is really important when we have something deeper to talk about. Yeah. I love that idea of having those one-on-one -on -one conversations. I think another really powerful thing that Mary could do is create, I call it an us. So we're a new and different team now, right? There's been shifts and changes. Yeah. So how do we want to be together? How do we want to interact, collaborate, build trust? And as importantly, when there's a bump or a hiccup, how do we want to handle that together? What do we want to do if there's something that's happened? And so building this, I think, at the get-go and then holding each other accountable to that. And Mary is just as, you know, if there's something that I've done, I'm going to say, yeah, that was my mistake. I own it. Now, can we collaborate and have your support on how do we fix this together? I'm owning it, but I'm also asking for your help. So I think creating that norm or us up front could be another really powerful thing. Absolutely. And in fact, just at the beginning of what you were saying, declaring we're a new team. This is not the old team reporting to the old boss. I'm different. And here are some things that I want us to do together that will begin to form what that new team is and how we're going to be with each other that, you know, may be similar to how it was with mm -hmm. Eddie or Joe or Annie or whoever that was the previous boss, but it's going to be different too because mm -hmm. I'm different. And all of you with me as your leader are going to be different. Mm -hmm. So in a three, six month after the team has settled and found their rhythm and got a good solid foundation, my secret wish, which is not secret because I'm saying it on this podcast, would be to go work with them to define and operationalize their values. Nice. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> And if you couldn't do that, or I couldn't do that in my role, it's something that they would need to do on their own. Mm -hmm. Then that's something that Mary, and now as the leader, 
could lead them in. And Mary needs to declare at some point fairly early on what her values are, what her assessment of the purpose of the team is. And in that conversation about how are we going to be with each other, it's really, really critical that Mary take that on and really Mm -hmm. live up to that, model it for everyone else, including when she screws up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I messed up. That was my bad on this one. I really see how what I did could create some distrust. And I want to recognize that and start rebuilding it right here and now. Yeah. That modeling the behavior, we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for, are you making the effort on the things that we agreed upon that were important to us? And when you mess up, do you own it? Yeah. Because last time I looked, we're all 100% human. None of us are perfect. We're going to mess up. We're going to mess up. Yeah. But don't sweep it under the rug. Yeah, don't sweep it under the rug. (laughs) Don't do that. But it's so tempting. Mm -hmm. It's so tempting for us as humans to just hope it goes away. Okay, I'll put my head down and get busy with whatever. And what does that look like when the leader puts their head down and gets busy with whatever and begins to ignore their team because they're hoping it'll go away, whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever that hard conversation sitting just in the corner of the room is and not acknowledging it. I think probably one of the most difficult leaders that I worked for, who was a VP of HR, would come and walk through the office in the morning and not say hello to one single person, not acknowledge one single person, go into, I will not say the pronoun, their office and shut the door. And so taking time for these little things, owning, you know, I didn't sleep well last night. I'm highly caffeinated. This is me. This is where I am. Or I'm really struggling. There's something going on that is just really taking brain power my cells today. So I may not feel like I'm 100% present, but I'm doing my best to be here. So just normalizing. Yeah. Or even in the other extreme, being very clear with everybody. This is how I am in the morning. My brain, it doesn't kick into gear till nine o'clock, but we're all supposed to be here at eight. And so in that hour between eight and nine... (laughs) I'm just going to go in my room. I'm going to close the door and I'm going to work on whatever I need to work on (laughs) for that day anyway. And unless the building is burning down, please let me have that time. Yeah. And when 901 hits, I'll come out and I'll be human. Yeah. But before that, I'm not quite human. Right. Yeah. Sadly, he wasn't. That wasn't his. Uh I had to look for him for an entire week in order to give him my letter of resignation. Oh, jeez. And I I couldn't find him. <laughs> oh, boy. And I left it on his chair, and he came to my office like, what? I don't understand. I'm like, you don't pay any attention to me. He goes, that's because you're doing a great job. Well. Thanks. Now you tell me. <laughs> thanks. But I've been working for you for quite a few months now. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, though, it actually does point to something really important, I think, which is to acknowledge people when they are doing a good job. So this is one of those places where, you know, you were feeling ignored. He may have been focusing all his energy on those places, those people that were not doing well. And just because you were doing well, and I've seen this lots of times, you were doing well, so, oh, I'll just let Hila go. You know, she's great. And then the story you're making up is he doesn't have any time for you. He's not interested. Maybe even that he doesn't think you're doing very well. And so he's ignoring you. Yeah. 
another place to be transparent with people. I am going to spend most of my time with Ellen and Jim and Robert because they need my help and support. So just because I'm not spending time with you does not mean that I think you're doing, in fact, it's just the mm -hmm. opposite. I think you're doing really well. And if you have concerns, issues, whatever, please, my door is open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The power of providing people with feedback. I was, again, in the Great White North last week, and there's a lot of movement in this organization. And this leader said to me he was doing performance reviews. And this person had worked for him for about five months. That's it. And in this performance review, this individual said to the leader, you've given me more feedback in five months than I've had in my entire career. And I can't thank you enough. Hmm. It is so important as leaders to let people know what they're doing well and what they need to do differently because you care about their success. It's not a negative. It's not a negative. And actually, if you truly believe in developing your team and you're not providing them with feedback, you're not really developing them. And that's another really big piece yeah. for Mary, the Marys in the world, yeah. to recognize and take care of. Yeah. So there, as you said, she would be taking care of her people by providing feedback, both positive and what you might call constructive feedback or mm -hmm. feedback about things that people need to get better at. Yeah. So we've kind of covered the general things, but we still have Mary and Bob. And if Bob persists in being resentful, angry, continues to believe that he should have gotten the job and not her, and that he can't trust her anymore because now she's his manager, that can really make her life miserable. Mm -hmm. What are the elements or the aspects of the conversation that she needs to have with Bob that will help, if not heal that relationship, totally all-in-one conversation, at least begin a movement towards that? When I envision these two individuals sitting down together to have a conversation, one of the first things that comes to mind for me is Mary declaring that although the relationship is changing, that I still have care for you as a person and care for our relationship. And so listening, where are you at right now? We both applied for the same position. You were not the successful I was. Like, I would like to hear where you are. How are you? Yeah. And are you willing to share that with me? Yeah. Because Bob may not be willing at that point. He may mm -hmm. feel so uncomfortable, so betrayed in a way, or potentially is he sort of looking into the future and feeling future betrayal mm -hmm. that you're now not going to be his friend anymore. You're going to be his boss. And what's that going to look like? And you know, how are you going to treat me? Or alternately, hey, you know, we were tight before. I'm expecting you to be tight with me. I'm going to get yeah. more of the goodies here than everybody else because... That's right. I'll be your favorite, but we can't tell anybody that. Yeah. That is also part of a conversation that may need to come up. But I think the starting point is quite clearly what you said. How are you feeling? It's a different relationship now. <laughs> we both recognize that or at least have some hint of that. How are you feeling? You know, what For you, what's important? 
going forward in our relationship now that I'm your boss. And then, as you've said in some of our other episodes, shut up and listen. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Hard for us humans to do until Mm -hmm. we've practiced it a few times. Yeah. And so important in really letting Bob declare not just where he is, but what he needs. Yeah. And knowing that that's not a one-time conversation, that likely this will unfold over numerous conversations and to be able to create the space for that. Yeah. That I think many times, as I think of some of the clients that I'm working with, but I've already talked to them about that. (laughs) Okay. And what would be the value or the benefit of creating space to talk about it a little bit more? Yeah. And the same thing goes with feedback of all kinds. As a leader now, as a manager, asking for feedback, you may have to ask for it three, four, five times before you get honest feedback, before people trust that you actually mean it, that you're sincere in Mm -hmm. wanting feedback (laughs) from them, even if it's uncomfortable, negative feedback that they feel like they need to give you. So you you have to actually, again, ask for it and then shut up and listen. (laughs) Shut up and listen. (laughs) Oh, no, you're doing fine. It's great. Okay. Okay. Well, (laughs) Well, we all know the acronym for fine. Do you know that one? No. These kind of acronym things really lose me. So what is it? It's effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Ah. <laughs> I'm fine. Really? <laughs> Are you? No. No, I'm totally a mess. Yeah. So I think it's a good point to wrap this up. Building trust for this person, Mary, for any of you who are in Mary's position or in the position of supporting a Mary in the world as a coach, as an HR professional, as a boss, Mary's going to need some support. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this will help you mm-hmm. with whatever ears you're listening, navigate this, what's at first very difficult and challenging stretch of water. So thank you for listening. And as always, we'd love to hear from our listeners. We've been hearing from some and doing some episodes based on what we've heard, and we'd love to do more. So please, if you have something that you would like us to talk about, we will, of course, ensure confidentiality. Please drop us a line. You can reach me at charles at insightcoaching.com. And you can find me at ila, I-L-A, at bigchangeinc.com. So thank you once again, Ila, for a great conversation. And I hope that this is of value to you out there listening to us. So thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you.